Content warning. Check the show notes for more information. It's May 16th, 1770, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. Legend has it that Marie Antoinette evoked the ire of the French people for saying, let them eat cake. But on this day, it's a remark that would have been entirely appropriate because it was her wedding day. (laughs) (laughs) This was the day she tied the knot with Louis Auguste, then the heir to the throne of France. And it had actually been a long journey before she even got to the nuptials because she started uh, from Vienna through Bavaria and she had this enormous entourage. She had 57 carriages, 117 footmen and 376 horses, which is all completely excessive. But before being handed over to the French courtiers, Marie crossed through this wooden pavilion that was built on a small island in the middle of the river and walking through this thing was meant to symbolise the transition to a new life and a new country and the ritual was actually complete with the literal stripping of her clothing. Because they needed her to be French and she wasn't. She was Austrian, right. which the courtiers of Louis never forgot, which was part of the reason why she was later demonised. And this whole marriage was out of political convenience because France and Austria had been historic rivals, warring nations for three centuries. This was bringing the dynasties together in a union between their royal families. But for her to pass muster as French enough to marry the Dauphin... They, as you say, had to take off her clothes but replace them with French clothes, is the point. Like, turn her into a French Mm. aristocrat. They took away all her Austrian things, including her pet dog. Yeah, and I mean, keeping in mind that she was only 14 while all this was happening, you know, apparently she cried as she was taken over the border saying, I shall never see my mother again. She was going to this completely foreign life. She'd been described growing up in the Viennese court as lively. She was very gifted at music, but she wasn't a very good scholar. And so her grasp of French probably wasn't that great. She would actually end up misspelling the French form of her name on the marriage certificate. So she probably felt Hmm. pretty lonely heading into France Hmm. as well. And it wasn't helped by the fact that she hadn't actually Hmm. met her future husband. She'd meet him two days before the wedding he came to meet her on the edge of a forest as she came towards Versailles even though they were actually already married as you said Ollie it was an important political marriage and one thing that was commonly done to hasten politically advantageous marriages in those days was to have a marriage by proxy which she had had the month before. Also, Louis Auguste wasn't the most promising of specimens. His grandfather, who was the king, obviously, considered him to be both ungainly and (laughs) dim-witted. Some sort of... (laughs) So nice when such things get recorded for posterity, isn't it? Well, it's also nice when your family is nice about you. (laughs) Um, But but some people who were a bit kinder regarded him, at, at the very least, as quite shy and withdrawn. And he was very much living in the shadow of his rather more attractive older brother, who was being groomed for the crown, also called Louis, Uh, but this brother had died young and that left Louis Auguste, who was then thrust into the public role as the heir apparent. But they'd have assumed that he had a bit longer before he was going to become king. I mean, he at this age, 15 himself, wouldn't have known, but he was just four years away from becoming the king of France. And even people who looked at him and thought he was a bit unpromising might have thought he'd have developed into, you know, a, a maturer man by the time that actually happened, but they didn't have a lot of prep. No, and they didn't have a lot of prep for the wedding either. It was celebrated just hours after she arrived at Versailles. She was sort of swept away to the Queen's apartment. And then the wedding mass was celebrated in the Royal Chapel. I think she arrived at 10am and the wedding was at 1, which even for a modern bride, with all the conveniences of modern technology... You're thinking, <laughs> when you're negotiating, ladies, how much time you need for your hair and makeup for any event, remember, Marie Antoinette on her wedding day, three hours. <laughs> 
There's no reason for it to take longer than three hours. <laughs> and even then she managed to get into this apparently very beautiful lilac dress that was covered in diamonds and pearls. Meanwhile, Louis was wearing a silver and gold suit, which is just so... On brand. Uh, so <laughs> on brand. It's wonderfully ostentatious. <laughs> but he wasn't projecting a lot of confidence, it must be said. Witnesses to the wedding said, and I quote, Louis was more timid than his wife. He seemed to shiver during the ceremony and blushed up to his eyes when he gave the ring. Mm. Well, it seems like if they were at school, they would have been in very different social groups. You know, right. she was beautiful but frivolous. She was kind-hearted and impulsive, but also loved to party and loved to spend money. He was a nerd. I mean, he was chubby and <laughs> shy. And apparently his passion was handcrafting locks, like lock and keys. <laughs> like, that's what he loved to do. But there were these really bad omens on the day. There was this enormous storm that not only threatened to disrupt the ceremony itself, they had to postpone the fireworks display that had been planned for three weeks but when they finally got to that fireworks display there was this enormous riot that resulted in hundreds of people getting trampled and the couple was so shocked that they withdrew funds from the royal treasury to try to help victims and their families so that must have been an enormously shocking way to begin yeah. your marriage and then they had the bedding ceremony and they were part mm. of wedding celebrations at the time among rich and poor alike they didn't actually involve standing around watching the newlyweds have sex it was symbolic the king gave the Dauphin his nightshirt, and the Duchess of Chartres gave the Dauphin hers, and in the presence of the entire court, bear in mind their adolescence, they had to lay down to prove they shared the same bed. And the bed had been blessed by the Archbishop of Rheims, who had conducted the ceremony. Oh, and God. Louis XV. So embarrassing, isn't it? And, I'm blushing for him. And the king, Louis XV, who was Louis August's grandfather, had escorted them to bed and bid them good night. And it's not surprising that nothing happened between them. I mean, they were yeah. adolescents. Obviously. Bit of a band of gold scenario. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they cut the verse about them being escorted to bed by the King of France. <laughs> That's but, why the know, song they, makes no they, sense. <laughs> they, were t they were teenagers. They had only just met each other. Nothing happened on the first night, which is not surprising. But it is surprising that nothing happened then for another seven years. Well, not nothing. We know that there weren't children for seven years. Apparently, the marriage was consummated eventually after three years, when reportedly Louis underwent an operation on his foreskin. Do you mind if I walk you through the incredibly excruciating pathway to full sexual intercourse between these two? Oh, Lord. I, yes, I think, please. <laughs> OK, this is a bullet-pointed history of seven years, OK? So, right. two years in, Louis Auguste told his grandfather that their efforts had been stymied by, quote, painful sensations and this wasn't helped by the fact that the king and the queen didn't live in the same quarters they didn't share a marital bed then there was a very public corridor connecting them so anytime louis walked out everyone who was there because of course the palace was a very public area there were courtiers there hangers on all the time they would know what he was going to try and do so it must have been excruciating for someone who was already shy mm. that's probably not the pain that he was talking no. about <laughs> the following year three years in now something happened marie wrote to her mother I can tell my dear mamma and her alone that we have made great progress and that I believe the marriage consummated, although not in the case of being pregnant. So something happened there and we don't know what. Mm. At this point, when he ascended to the throne, the lack of an heir was becoming very conspicuous and it was fueling mocking pamphlets as well. Well, it's kind of important. Like the whole point of Marie <laughs> Antoinette being business. shipped over from Austria is to give birth to a boy and they haven't even had sex yet. No. Yeah. And, but finally, after seven years, in what must have been an excruciatingly embarrassing intervention... <laughs> 
Marie's mother sent her brother Joseph, Marie's brother Joseph, to find out what was going on. And no, thank- on. not just her brother. Her brother, who, by the way, his day job was Holy Roman Emperor Joseph. <laughs> it's, just, it's not just like any sex therapist. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and well, by night, he advised people on their love lives. <laughs> I mean, he was a bit of a blabbermouth because he wrote a letter mm. to their brother that even by the standards of today is extremely explicit in describing exactly what the nature of the problem was. He said... His technique is still in the process of formation. In his marriage bed, he inserts his member, remains there for perhaps two minutes without moving, withdraws without ejaculating, and while still erect, bids goodnight. It is incomprehensible. (laughs) So was he there then? Did he stick around and go, oh, I see what you're doing wrong? I think this was a brotherly walk around a quiet area of the gardens that he sort of prompted him to say, and exactly what is going on when you have what you think sex is. Right. Well, seven years into the marriage, the couple actually sent him a thank you letter because they'd produced their first child and then four came in relatively quick succession. Well, the first one wasn't important because it was a girl, but they did hit boy, didn't they, on the second. (laughs) So Marie Antoinette's role was justified to an extent. Although what's interesting is the indignity of this period where Mm. people are gossiping about her, they're gossiping about her husband's penis, and she is, by this point, Queen of France... I think may have contributed to her profligacy as a distraction from being gossiped about. If her thing, as she's still at this point, you know, in her late teens, early 20s, if her thing is spending money and getting nice clothes and new wigs and whatever, then actually as a distraction from her pretty turgid private life. You mm. can imagine that she sought refuge in that. Yeah, and it must have been quite a lonely marriage. The, the historical verdict seems to be that they got closer together as they grew older. But certainly in the early days, I mean, she liked to go out and party. And there's an anecdote that apparently... He was he was a bit of a, a bit old before his time, Louis Auguste, and he would go to bed at 11 p.m. on the dot every night. So the story goes that she snuck around the palace, setting the clocks forward by an hour, so that he would go to bed <laughs> and she could sneak out and meet her friends and party. Can you imagine how many clocks were in Versailles that you'd have to do? <laughs> <laughs> that would have been just ridiculous. <laughs> that would have been ten people's job for that. Yeah. Joke, <laughs> Tomorrow. So people panicked, they started selling, and the more they sold, the more the prices dropped. Love the show? Support the show. Patreon.com slash Retrospectors. Part of the ACAST Creator Network. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. 